Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is back. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. We have good, good and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with the free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. You can find that at netsuite.com slash martini. Jim, welcome back. It is good to be back, Greg. Um, I could spend several hours of our usually 20 minutes or so podcast talking about things that happened to me over there. Uh, unbelievably fun, great questions. Uh, this was very much a working trip. Got to speak to some uh, groups I honestly was like kind of terrified to go into. Um, the Aust- Austrian National Defense Academy, uh, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, um, University of Vienna, uh, an audience arranged by the U.S. Embassy, all prominent folks talking about foreign disinformation, what the Russians did uh, in the 2016 elections and on social media and stuff like that. Um, and what happened, what we've learned since then and what we're doing to prevent it. Um, and I won't, I won't drag this on, Greg, but I'll just observe probably the hot, one of the highlights was being find out, hey, the OSCE presentation, the Russians were the second group to sign up to watch what you're going to say. <laughs> and they, they said, so um, we try not to pick on any one country when we have these discussions. Is there a way you could have it not focus quite so much on Russia? <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm going to talk about what Finland did in the 2016 election. <laughs> so we talked about it, worked it out. They, they were, to be clear, nobody at the embassy or the U.S. mission there was saying what I could or couldn't say. Uh, but they wanted me prepared if there was going to be any negative pushback from the Russians during my presentation. And, you know, anyway, we all know the format for the Russian pushback, which is um, polonium. <laughs> and Bulgarian umbrellas and stuff like that. Halfway through, you know, and all of a sudden I keel over. Um by the way, Eric, by the way, listeners, if I keel over in the next few weeks in mysterious circumstances, it probably was Putin. Just letting you just kind of putting that in the back of your mind. No, I'm, uh, I didn't hear anything during the presentation. They didn't. Write, my suspicion is they just sent a representative to just see what I was saying. And my guess, Greg, is to put me on a list somewhere uh, <laughs> for someone to cause trouble for or watch down the road. But otherwise, fantastic trip. But uh, it's good to be back. Excellent, excellent. Those are the Macedonian content farms. They were not in any way linked to uh, Russian yeah. intelligence. Good point, yeah. And by the way, Iran did get into this. I wrote about this a little bit. So if you want to, you know, oh. they're, they're the trailblazers, but hey, this is the hot new trend, you know, putting fake people on social media. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's go to Good Martini number one. Yes, there are now 24 Democrats running for the presidential nomination. None of them, sadly, are David Palmer or Jack Bauer or Bill Buchanan or even Tony Almeida, although he is a convicted felon, so that would be a little bit difficult. But Bill de Blasio is the 24th Democrat into this field. Everyone in his family has been waiting for this moment, not too many others. Uh, and here, and just in case you forgot that Bill de Blasio is a flaming socialist, uh, here's the very first line from his campaign rollout video. There's plenty of money in this world. There's plenty of money in this country. It's just in the wrong hands. And so then he goes, <laughs> he goes on to the... That's what the Gruber brothers said in the Die Hard movies. 
No, no, he goes on to talk about how he got uh, paid family leave going on in New York City, how he got the $15 minimum wage, uh, all of these uh, big government programs, and now he wants to take it uh, nationwide. Well, not a lot of other New Yorkers want him to take it nationwide. Uh, Savannah Sellers of MSNBC, of all places, was asking folks as they uh, commuted on the subway today what they thought of Bill de Blasio. What do you think about Mayor de Blasio announcing he's running for president? Very disappointed. Yeah? I personally would not vote for him. My concern is more how there's a lot of Democrats running for president, and it makes it complicated to narrow down on a choice. He needs help. Seriously. The, the guy he hasn't done really jack. He really hasn't. Yeah. Besides, it's about a time a woman runs this country. What do you think about de Blasio running for president? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of other good candidates for Democrats out there, so... Does he excite me the most? No, but I do like him. I think he should announce it on the 1st of April. And why is that? Because it would have been a good April Fool's Day joke. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the party, Bill de Blasio. Greg, as this you know, primary process continues, you get more questions. Why are there so many Democrats running for president? Um, and the, 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 most recent, the most clearest explanation is that there's enormous upside and really not that much downside as long as you can stand the humiliation of being at 1%. If you're an obscure Democratic congressman, Irving Schmidlap, um, you know, CNN is never going to give you an hour in prime time to just talk to the American public about what you what you feel and what you think should be done. But the moment you're de- you know, little known Democratic presidential candidate, Irving Schmidlap, now all of a sudden you get that and you're going to get the media interviews and you're, you know, you get enough donors or you hit that one percent. You're going to be up on the debate stage with all the big boys. And who knows what it could lead to? Pete Boot. Pete Buttigieg was really not very well known until he did his CNN town hall, and he's jumped up to what most people would say is the the top tier, or maybe the top of the second tier, depending on how you want to classify that. Um, So you never know what's going to happen. There's not enough downside. The grand exception to this, I think, might be Bill de Blasio, who, by virtue of being uh, mayor of New York City for several terms and for, you know, a good portion of our national news media is based in New York City, the national news media knows Bill de Blasio. And despite all of their, you know, I think glaringly obvious preference for Democrats, they don't particularly like Bill de Blasio for a variety of reasons. Uh, One of them is being a serial killer of groundhogs. Um, But the other thing is just that they don't feel like he's done a particularly good job of running New York City. Uh, Major problems on the subway and infrastructure, uh, homelessness inching up, some issues with crime. Uh, New York City has always been an expensive city, probably one of the most expensive places in the country. But, you know, real concerns about quality of life and whether it's still worth it to live in the city. Um, and these, you know, by all of those measures, a whole bunch of New Yorkers are not particularly pleased with what they're getting from him. So um, a lot of the traditional sympathy or even just curiosity, who is this guy and what does he stand for, isn't there for Bill de Blasio. And um, look, you know, as much as those of us who are not Democrats might be, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, oh, all these candidates. Look, if this process ends with Bill de Blasio's reputation being damaged even more <laughs> and not just damaged in the New York tri-state area or the New York media market, but all across the country. Greg, I don't know about you. I feel like some good will come out of this whole process. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Because now that uh, Bloomberg blew out the two term limit there, uh, Bill de Blasio could potentially run for a third term when he crashes and burns here, probably even before Iowa. But we'll see. But, Jim, this is a day I've been waiting for for a long time. We've talked about this. Ideally, I want 32 candidates in the field so we can set up the March Madness-style bracket. But I'll take 24 (laughs) because then you get the top eight in the polls, you give them a bye, and then you seed it, and then you can have something like this. (laughs) Hello, 
friends. Welcome. Jim Nance, CBS Sports, <laughs> along with Bill Raftery and Grant Hill. We're at the Pepsi Center for our pivotal 15 versus 18 seed matchup between John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett, with the winner moving on to face Pete Buttigieg in the next round. Grant, what do you see as the keys to this game? So uh, I would love that, Jim. Greg, I, I salute you. That, that was, uh, I'm going to give you the highest compliment I can possibly think of. I wish I had thought of that. Um, <laughs> Great, great imagination. I can tell you were staying up overnight looking for the sound clips for this one. This is a fantastic way to come back this, this week. <laughs> I can't wait. You know what's also fantastic? Knowing your numbers at your business. Because if you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. But the problem for many growing businesses and that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources. And that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control that you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance and accounting, orders, and human resources instantly, right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits at NetSuite.com slash martini. That's NetSuite.com slash martini to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to good martini number two now. And for that, we head over to the Washington Post. The Federal Communications Commission on Wednesday proposed granting AT&T, Verizon, and other telecom carriers clearer powers to block suspected spam calls from ringing consumers' phones, a move that comes a month after robocallers dialed Americans nearly five billion times, according to one industry estimate. The idea put forward by FCC Chairman Ajit Pai and pending approval from the agency's commissioners encourages carriers to enable their anti-robocall technology by default as opposed to waiting for consumers to turn on those features themselves. Currently, consumers must elect to use carriers' robocall-blocking tools, some of them costing a monthly fee, which means fewer people are using these services, according to Pi. While the chairman said the agency is going to encourage companies to offer this for free, the FCC's forthcoming directive does not require them to do so. Jim? Still some questions to be sorted out here over at Hot Air. Ed Morrissey was wondering whether people who aren't in your contact list now are going to get blocked. So hopefully there's a way to distinguish between calls you want but aren't in your contact list and those you don't want. But uh, I, I think if I remember the do not call legislation correctly for landlines, this is one I think just about everybody can get behind. Oh, you're talking about you know, a broad bipartisan coalition that would quickly coalesce around this idea. Um, honest to goodness, FCC, I will tell you now, you will be greeted as liberators um, <laughs> if this comes forward. Now, I'm, I was disappointed to see that this did, this plan did not involve military tomahawk missile strikes <laughs> on the Carl call centers that are doing this. And I noticed that, like, you know, first of all, I, I don't know about you, I get so many calls on my cell phone that are clearly you know, spam or clearly uh, uh, people trying to sell stuff. Often I really hate that recording one of the woman who, oh, sorry, I just dropped my headphone. hee, <laughs> hee. Um, because like for the first time or two, it fools you. And then you realize, wait a second, this woman has a serious problem with her headphone. Um, but you, you get these so often. Also, I noticed, I know, but you, Greg, I'm getting a lot more in foreign languages. Yes. Um, 
And so I, I first of all, you want to bring out my internationalist. Uh, it's hearing, you know, voices in Chinese or I don't mean accents. I mean, other foreign languages just going to my phone directly when I don't speak the language that they're attempting to sell me is something in. Um, you know, it really disappoints me, Greg, the idea that, you know, these are the jobs Americans won't do. Um, so at the very least, I want to see, you know, it, it bring back jobs for American horrible telemarketers, not none of these foreign horrible telemarketers who are calling us up. Um, no, I get so many of them. I actually kind of wondered if the uh, do not call legislation had somehow been secretly repealed or something like that, because it clearly was having no effect. One of the things I think conservatives have a slightly better record of keeping in mind is it's one thing to have a law. It's another thing to keep it in place and to enforce it. So if this really can do it, wonderful. Um, I really hope the FCC can do this. Even if it cuts it down by half, this would be a, a dramatic step. And look, there's one area in which you genuinely actually see this law and the do not, you know, uh, uh, do not call list. And I guess maybe the state level equivalent of it was over in Indiana. Uh, we had that big Senate race last cycle, and there's very little polling in there because you're not allowed to do automated polling uh, because it violates a state law that is modeled after the do not call legislation passed in Congress. And that always seemed like, well, you know, it's one thing if somebody's calling you up out of the blue to sell you something. But I think pollsters are kind of a different category. But for whatever reason, Indiana did not make that exception, which means that polling is scarcer in those Indiana races. And every couple of cycles, we really want to know how people are feeling about things in Indiana. So we've got the downside of these kind of restrictions. We might as well get the good side of these kind of restrictions, which is fewer annoying calls. So FCC, go get them. Happy hunting. And since we all didn't die uh, due to the rollback of net neutrality, uh, th- right. <laughs> this is just all on the upswing now for the FCC. The, the thing that you and I have going for us, Jim, also, in addition to the telltale clues that everybody has when it's a robocall, that it takes a couple extra seconds for someone to respond when you say hello grudgingly, uh, you and I have difficult to pronounce names if you've never seen them before. So mm. that's always a fun telltale sign there. So if your last name is Johnson, it's one thing. If it's Columbus or Garrity, you can usually get them to uh, expose their uh, robocall status pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but just one, one, also, one other last point. I don't know about you, Greg. I'm getting a lot more from fake charities, uh, you know, American Veterans for Veterans America. Or, you know, and I, you know, you, the first thing is when I get, I can tell it's a recording, but they're asking for donations. I Google. Uh, first thing you check, they come up as their scams. So the money doesn't really go to veterans and all kinds of stuff like that. And look, you know, I'm going to do that. But, you know, your average sweet little old lady out there may not and may end up agreeing to give a credit card number or something like that to these, you know, scam artists. So way to go, FCC. Hope you guys can really uh, put a dent in this. Uh, you know, it's not the biggest problem facing America, but it's but it's a genuine annoyance and an, you know, a tool for fraud and things like that. So hopefully they'll uh, they'll make great advances in this area. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And I specifically saved this crazy martini for you because I know only you could do this crazy martini. It's full justice. Free beacon. Former President Jimmy Carter's main concern after undergoing hip surgery was that he'd fail to kill the maximum allowed number of turkeys this hunting season. A thought that earned him condemnation from the animal rights group PETA. The Carter Center announced the injury on Monday, saying Carter fell as he was leaving to go turkey hunting. Quote, Carter said his main concern is that turkey season ends this week and he has not reached his limit. He hopes the state of Georgia will allow him to roll over the unused limit to next year. Well, that's not sitting very well with PETA President Ingrid Newkirk. This is the best line ever right here. PETA urges the former president to oppose speciesism, a human supremacist worldview, and consider working to protect sentient beings who simply want to be left in peace. Rather than destroying them, Newkirk said. 
She goes on to say hunting may have been necessary in uh, prehistoric times, but now it's an unnecessary, violent form of entertainment that rips animal families apart and leaves countless animals orphaned or badly injured when hunters miss their targets. Jim. A lot to unpack here, Greg. First of all, that quote, sentient beings worldwide and your humanist, human supremacist attitudes. (laughs) Greg, I really didn't think I'd see that outside of like sci-fi movies, stuff (laughs) taking place in a a future with mutants or aliens living among us or something like that. Um, But yeah, so I guess we generally have that too. Greg, am I correct? This is the first time anyone has ever accused Jimmy Carter of being too aggressive and violent and dangerous. (laughs) Third, if the turkeys were wise, they would just hang out with a rabbit. (laughs) For those of you who don't recall, apparently while canoeing, Jimmy Carter was like some rabbit jumped in the water and started coming up towards him. And there were reports back during Carter's presidency of... uh, uh, of, of the idea that the killer bunny rabbit attack or something like that, or the idea they had to beat it off with an oar, some sort of, some sort of like menacing, you know, banicula style, you know, bunny rabbit coming after him. But, you know, this is one of those weird situations where I'm starting to, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just the passage of time. Um, at this rate, Jimmy Carter is going to turn into one of my favorite ex-Democratic presidents. Um, because in addition to the noble stuff that he does with uh, Habitat for Humanity and stuff like that, Recently had a chat with uh, President Trump, um, and I think there were a whole bunch of Democrats who would say you should never, ever talk to Trump. Uh, he and Carter, uh, you know, they had a chat. I don't know how much the president listened, but, you know, the president seemed to think it was worth uh, reaching out to him. And I, I you know, appreciate uh, Carter doing that. And my assumption, Carter going out and hunting, you know, this, that's controversial in Democratic circles these days. So, you know, uh, not something I say very often. Good for you, pre- former President Carter. Keep on it. Heal quick. Uh, glad to see you beat cancer and, you know, is recovering from surgery. Hope you get out there and can do some damage to the turkeys out there this year. Only took us nine years to have a nice martini about Jimmy Carter. <laughs> see, there's hope for everybody out there. I had the over on that, just to be honest. Um, <laughs> Jim, and that he's a legit hunter, too. I, obviously, you remember this because you were uh, on ground zero of the Kerry spot in 2004. Mm. Remember the John Kerry hunting trip uh, with the uh, ring-necked goose that he yeah. clearly didn't kill? There was that one. There was, uh, um, was it, you know, Mitt Romney who boasted of hunting varmints or something? Or, or some, you know, look, my, my attitude would be if you're a politician and you're not a hunter, that's okay. I'd say I've never gotten into it. You know, this is a, um, you know, generally certain parts, some parts of the country, this is a, a very big deal. Other parts of the country, there aren't. If you live in the city, you're probably not going to have that many opportunities for it. Um, you know, this is not a cheap hobby. Obviously, you know, firearms cost a bit. You usually want to have a good amount of equipment. Got to get up early in the morning very often to go into your, your duck stand or your, your deer stand or places like that. Uh, I don't do it myself. Those who do it really enjoy it. Hey, God bless you. Go out and enjoy yourself. You know, just, you know, the, you know comply with local laws and regulations and seasons and limits and all that stuff. And uh, terrific. Great. Don't give Jimmy Carter any grief for what he chooses to do with that. So, um, yeah, good on you, President Carter. Something we don't say very often. Jim, your bigoted human supremacist worldview just disgusts me. And I'm sure many I, of our I listeners will, yeah, too. I, I will be human supremacist <laughs> and proud. And that stands for when the aliens land, too. <laughs> Jim, great to have you back. Do it again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to tune in again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. In the meantime, visit our good friends over at NetSuite, netsuite.com slash martini.